They don't tell you what to do in seminary when you have an outdoor worship area and it's significantly colder than you expected it to be. As I was working on my sermon for the last few weeks, I was hoping it would be windy, but assuming it would be warmer. You'll see why when we get into the text. We're looking at Psalm 19 this morning, and I'm going to pray for us as we first hear the word read and then preached. God, we long to be gripped by your good news, to learn from your word, to walk in your ways. As we read and hear the word, Lord, would you help us to learn from you? Would you help us to remember your words? Indeed, Lord, we long for the meditations of our heart for the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart to be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no sweet speech nor their words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. There is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to Christ. I had some sermon illustrations that are just gone. (laughs) If you happen to see a piece of paper floating around that says canticle to brother son or Chesterton's thoughts on the playfulness of God, I would love those. If not, the sermon will be about two minutes shorter because of them and you can all go stand in the sunshine. Wow, I have... No idea where those things went. God's providence, which is what the first few verses of Psalm 19 are talking about. And part of his providence is not only, I think when we hear the word providence, we think sovereignty, but it's not just that. It's also the playfulness of God. See, God created us and the world because that's who he is. Not because he was bored or lonely 
or other reasons that we often do things. And what Chesterton says, and I'll paraphrase it, is it's not a stretch to think that God doesn't say to the sun every morning, go and do it again. And to the moon, go and do it again every evening. We see this in children who long for repetition, not because they're child-ish, but because they can enjoy it in ways that we have been broken of. Do you know that God is playful? And that while his creation is longing to be renewed and restored, there is still beauty and good to it. And were it but eight degrees warmer, we would just sit and enjoy it. Instead, we're challenged. The reason I'm preaching just on Psalm 19 and and we're starting a new series next week is I long for us to receive the seasons of life and turn to God and speak with him and to him about those seasons. And the Psalms echo what life is actually like. In my opinion, the best way to read the Psalms devotionally, this is not the, the, this is not The Psalms are the most quoted book in the New Testament. They're very important for a number of reasons. But for personal devotions, we recognize that there are Psalms of orientation. Psalms when we we understand the world and our role in it. We're comfortable with God and who He is and who we are. There are Psalms of disorientation. Psalms where the writer cries out, How long, O Lord? Darkness is my closest friend. When are you going to break the teeth of my enemies? There are psalms of reorientation where something is wrong. There's crying out and and the, the writer is restored and renewed. Psalm 30 deals with this. Psalm 30 is sarcastic with God. If I die, can the dust praise you? And then the glorious verse that you're perhaps more familiar with. You've turned my mourning into dancing. Psalm 19 is a psalm of orientation, and summer is um, (laughs) a time for many of us that is a little more relaxed than the rest of the year. Some of you have a job where it's exactly the same, but for many of us, it's a little more enjoyable. It's a little more casual. We're outside a little bit more. I think I can safely say to those of you that are here on this day that you enjoy being outside, so you risked it. Those that despise bugs... Didn't even consider coming this morning. And what the Psalms lead us to do in all of the seasons of life is to continue to talk with God and to God about those seasons. C.S. Lewis, I mention this all the time because it is a key that unlocks especially the parts of Scripture that are more um, challenging for some of us. There are three types of language in a basic sense. There's scientific language that explains things very specifically. There's mundane language, how we would talk with one another. And there's poetic language. So when the writer says that nothing is hidden from the heat of the sun, we know that's not scientifically true right now. And yet we also know the point of the poetic beauty of that statement about the playfulness of God and the beauty of what he created, certainly including the sun. No one found my poem. This is when I was going to read it. All right, that's your homework for when you get back home. Google Canticle, 
to Brother Son by St. Francis. It's a beautiful poem that expands and extends the first part of Psalm 19 in the beauty of not only the sun itself, but what we see by its light. But it's not only God's providence in Psalm 19, it's also his law. In the middle of that section, talks about the fear of the Lord, and this is an essential concept, and one that gets trickier to talk about as we learn more about psychology and humanity, because we, we fear is bad, but the fear of the Lord is a large concept where we're in awe of who God is, especially as it relates to the world as it continues to reject him and us as we continue to choose our own way. It's so incredible to then look at his character that is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The fear of the Lord is an awe of who he is and an awe of his grace and his mercy. Psalm 19 gives us an invitation in three different ways to not only believe in the gospel that um, the gospel of Jesus, not only to practice it, but to follow it. Psalm 19 doesn't know as much about Jesus as you do, and yet it knows the character of God because of what has been revealed about Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection. We can trust the leading of Psalm 19 even more strongly than those first listeners to it. In describing the law, the writer says that it's perfect, sure, right, true, and sweet. That turns into a prayer that we would believe that, believe it more deeply, that we would integrate it into our minds, that, that every moment, as the last verse of the psalm would encourage us, we actually consider the love and the leading of God is law, perfect and sure, right, true, and sweet. Psalm 19 describes the law in different terms. This is both a poetic move and a description. What are we led in his law, his precepts, his testimony, his commands, the fear of him and his rules? And this can sound like old school religion, except what does the law do? And by old school religion, I mean if you do this, then you're okay. But Psalm 19 is, is simply basking, not simply. Psalm 19 is basking in the beauty, which is not only the goodness of God revealed in his character, but that he would guide us away from lives of destruction into lives of life. What does the law do? What does the gospel do? And as we follow it in keeping the law, what does it do? It revives the soul. Gives us wisdom. Rejoices the heart. And in keeping them, there is great reward. God's providence and law draw us back to him. Looking at the middle of Psalm 19, verses 12 and 13. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sin. From living as though God weren't good and true and taking for granted his grace and mercy. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. I think the psalmist expects their praise to grow them up and mature them. 
even from sins they're not fully aware of. I think the psalmist expects their, their praise back to God to guard and to protect them. This is a theme all throughout Scripture. People turn to God expecting Him to guard and protect them both from what they can see and what they cannot see. One of the reasons that praise can be elusive for us is it's a little easier for many of us to focus on the sad things either in our life or around the world, the challenging things. And yet the people of God are not only capable of, but they're called to gratitude and praise even in seasons of disorientation. The reason I say that is in the midst of this beautiful psalm of orientation, there's still confession there's still expectation of the need to be guarded and guided and protected by God. <laughs> Should I pray for the wind to go away and we see what happens? How many of you are praying that it go away? None? You don't want to get your hands out of your pockets. All of you are, but you want to keep your hands in your pockets. The psalmist expects God's providence and law to draw him back to a sense of the Father's love. Today's a pretty disorienting day for me for a bunch of reasons. And I know for some of you it is also. commercial holidays, federal holidays. Some of you know I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma. A lot of things I didn't know growing up that I know now and lead me to be sad and wonder. I'm alluding to things vaguely for a whole bunch of reasons. But I can still praise God even when I'm disoriented. And so can you. It doesn't have to look cheerful to still, be praise, to still be praised to God. You don't have to pretend that those sad things in your life or in the world aren't sad. To still turn to Him and not only praise Him and His guidance of you, but also ask for His help. Anne Lamott writes that there are three basic prayers. Help, thanks, Wow. I think in addition to that is the awe of the Lord and the praise for who He is. The Lord's Prayer encourages us in that way. And so does Psalm 19. I think there's an expectation that it preserves us. God's providence and law draw us back to Him and they preserve us. The reason I wanted to preach on a psalm this morning is there is joy in your life, follower of Jesus for you to enjoy to God and with God. (laughs) God's playful providence might be a little chilly this morning. It is nevertheless on display that your God is not only sovereign over everything, but He May indeed say to the sun every morning, go, rise again, and to the moon every evening, go, again.
God's playful providence is evident to us this morning as he guides and protects us and preserves us because he is indeed our God, that is his personal name at the end of chapter 19, who is also our rock and our redeemer. Would you pray with me? Lord, we praise and thank you for the sun that indeed comes out like a proud and strong bridegroom. While we ask to be in its light this morning, we praise you that you're indeed playful and that the wind comes and goes. We ask that today and this week and this summer, as we see your playful sovereignty and providence, we would remember that you're good, that you love us, guard us and guide us and protect us. We ask that we see your law the way that this psalmist does and then trust it as it indeed revives our soul and rejoices our heart. Father, for those considering your good news, would they see the offer to revive their soul from you? And for those of us that are trusting you, Would you indeed give us a sense of how you are reviving our soul in corporate worship, in following and trusting you? Amen.